Welcome to Stand Out in ELT. I'm Ola Kowalska and I'm the host of this extraordinary podcast. I wanted to bring you a platform where you hear from myself and other amazing and inspiring people who have created their success and stand out in ELT. People say that English language teaching is a saturated market, so it's absolutely crucial that you know how to stand out. And I'm going to teach you how to do it. And I'm going to inspire you to take action. So, welcome to this space. And I can't wait for you to stand out and build your legacy in ELT. Hello, my lovely ELT tribe. And welcome to the first real episode of Stand Out in ELT. Ha! Exciting, isn't it? So today you're going to listen to my solo ramblings and I'm going to tell you all about native versus non-native speakerism. I know, I know, it's been talked about a thousand times, but I feel like I've got things to say there that are absolutely relevant to what I do, to my followers, my audience, and yeah, I feel like the more we talk about it, the more it's normalized. So yeah, let's let's just do it. Let's just do it. <laughs> so I'm going to divide this episode into five sections. Um, definitions, statistics, feelings, bias and action. Um, so let's begin with my definitions. I deliberately use the terms native speakers and non-native speakers. I know it's become a little bit controversial and, you know, while um, dictionary definitions still defy um, native speakerism as being a person who usually grew up in a certain country and then that's how they acquired the knowledge of a certain language. In our case, I'm going to talk about English. Um, But it's become a bit of a problem when, especially in that whole native versus non-native speaker uh, debate and when it comes to teachers, um, it's become become a bit of a, you know, sort of topic. But I use it because I really don't mind. I don't like um, associating feelings with labels, you know, because... The way I feel about my non-native speakerism has nothing to do with how it's called, if you know what I mean. So you could call it um, native speakerism or, I don't know, versus proficient uh, speakerism of, um, of a certain language. But everybody knows what I'm talking about. Everybody knows it. So let's call the, cut the bullshit and let's talk about what really, really matters here. And what matters is that there is still a problem, okay? There is still a problem. And I'm going to try and prove it to you. So let me um, tell you a little bit about the statistics. You might have heard about them. Uh, They probably change a little bit over the years because obviously um, the numbers of people learning language um, change. But, you know, Um, The overall message is like that. So there is, that's what I, that's what my research says. There is about 400 million native speakers of English in the world. And these are people who are not only 
um, who are not only born or live in countries that only first come to your mind, such as, you know, um, the UK, um, the US, or Canada, or Australia, or Ireland. There are also other countries, believe it or not. There are actually about 67 countries that have English as their official language. Okay, let's mention a few. Jamaica, New Zealand, South Africa, Nigeria, Cameroon, Malaysia. Like, honestly, the list is endless. Okay, so Anyone who was actually born in that country and uh, had English education could call themselves a native speaker. So, um, like, the whole point here is that it's, it's, it's become such a vague term. Who is a native speaker then? Is it what people think in those, you know, awful, um, ugly marketing strat- strategies, people who are born in those five countries that came first to your mind? Obviously not, right? And then when you take into account the actual numbers of people who speak English in the world, then the number, and now I'm going to surprise you, is close to a billion. Okay, let that sink in. And these are people, for example, like me. So my L1, if you want to call it like that, is Polish. My English, however, is close to native. So am I a native speaker? Am I not a native speaker? Depends on the definition, does it? Um, I actually have been asked by um, a colleague in England whether I consider myself a native speaker of English? And that was a very interesting question. And I didn't really know what to say. Um, Because I do believe that it depends on how you feel about it. Um, So I could say, I'm definitely, definitely bilingual. But I would still probably say that my native language would be uh, Polish, just because of the cultural heritage and just because of where I grew up. Because I did grow up in Poland. But that doesn't really matter. Guys, um, another message that I've got for you here is that if you actually count or put together or put next to each other the number of people who either are learning to speak the language or want to learn to speak the language versus the number of people or native speakers who are according to some people the only qualified ones or the only appropriate people to teach the language then it's becoming a bit funny because it becomes uh, quite difficult. Literally, there wouldn't be enough native speakers to teach all of those people who are willing to learn the language because it would be overwhelming. And also, um, does every native speaker want to teach their language? I don't want to teach teach anyone any Polish. I know crap about it. So (laughs) that's a no-brainer, honestly. Um, and also, that's that's just statistics. So that's that's like stupid assumptions that people would only want to study with native speakers for some stupid reasons, not taking into account um, other things at all. Things like accents, right? So um, the most sort of common um, thing in my teaching practice has been that learners who 
don't know better, they basically recognize two accents. They recognize the British accent and they recognize American accent. People at a higher level recognize a few more. Then at a very high level, or if they've had an experience of living in a... Um, um, in an English-speaking country, they might even be able to recognize some regional accents. But that's like a very deep level of awareness, okay? The first step, the first sort of, you know, um, it's the, the, the surface of it is there are two accents of English that are correct, okay? But why do people think that? Why do they think that? Because we never bloody challenge it. Because we never show them that it's not true, okay? There is no longer, and it's been, hasn't been for years, just two accents. Not to mention that there are accents from actual English-speaking countries, so New Zealand, Ireland, um, whatever, South Africa, um, Australia, whatever, Jamaica, um, and other countries that have English as their official language. There are also accents of people whose English is not their first language, but when they speak English, they have a very specific, distinguishable accent. And should that be something not accepted? So when a Spanish person speaks English with a very specific, characteristic accent, does it mean it's wrong? Of course it's not. Because that's how Spanish people who speak English in so, so, some sort of situations would recognize each other. And I'm like, I find it beautiful and fascinating. I recognize Polish people who speak English because there are certain pronunciation features that are very characteristic. And I find it absolutely fascinating. Why do people, why do actually marketing, um, why does marketing or did um, make us think that that's that there's something wrong with it why the only accent that is actually a foreign accent that seems to be accepted because it sounds cute and romantic is french have you noticed that whenever people um try and imitate french people speaking english they think it's cute and beautiful and actually oh wow however Think about people trying to imitate people speaking English in Russia. It's usually being mocked. It's usually in a very, very bad, uh, with a very bad association. And I find it very sad. So I'm not afraid and I'm not um, in any way ashamed that I do have a Polish accent when I speak English. Does it mean I'm not an absolutely proficient user of English? Of course not. I do have a little bit of a natural and um, standardized accent now after having, you know, having lived in the UK um, for a few years. But it's not like I've been trying to get rid of my accent. Digression here. When I worked in a language school in London, one day there was a lady who literally came into the door and left a book for our entertainment or education. Don't know what it was. I didn't know if I should have cried or laughed or hell knows. Um, the book was called How to Get Rid of Your Accent. I was outraged. I was outraged. This is exactly the problem. This is the title of the problem. So people want to get rid of something that is natural to be expected 
how can you expect that your accent or the way you speak in English is going to be different or the same as native speakers or native, and again, what native speakers, okay? Are you going to choose which native speakers you're going to imitate? Um, if you've learned your first language in a very certain way, also the muscles that you use in your mouth work in a very, very particular way. And it's very, very hard to unlearn those things. But why fight it? Why fight it? I mean, um, don't get me wrong. It's not like I'm criticizing people who want to sound better because uh, there is a whole part of this ELT market of um, people who are actually pronunciation coaches and people who um, help learners or, I don't know, people who just want to improve their speech. But this these are two different problems, okay? Because you can have a little bit of your L1 accent, but speak fantastic English with fantastic pronunciation. Because pronunciation and accent, we all know that, are two completely different stories, okay? So, what I always say is that my Polish accent, when I speak English, it has always been an icebreaker. It's always been like, oh, I meet someone and then they say, oh, can I guess where you're from? Can I guess where you're from? And now, you know, 2021, it might be a little bit or oh, not really politically correct, but I actually find it adorable. I find it funny. There are so many people I met who just said, oh, um, this is, um, are you from Eastern Europe? Are you from, and then when their guesses are like completely random, that's actually even funnier. So people used to associate that kind of guessing games as something wrong. So like, oh, I've been striving all my life to sound like an English person, but now somebody recognizes that I'm not. And I'm like, but why would you try and pretend that you're someone that you're actually not? This is absolutely mind-blowing for me. Why would people do that? Why would they? So there is this cultural aspect. Do you want to get rid of your cultural identity? Like, this is, this is not the way forward. I understand people's motivation to do it, okay? Because they say, oh, but then I can't be um, employed because people say that I've got too um, strong of an accent from my L1. So I hear that from, from some people. Um, but is that your problem? Is that really your problem? I feel that that's their problem. So if you want to try, to, uh, if you want to try to get a job at a school that tells you to, you know, um, work on your accent a bit, run away, okay? Run away. Are they gonna also ask you um, to not wear certain clothes because they don't look, I don't know, English enough? <laughs> That's just ridiculous. It's part of your identity. Are they going to make you stop eating certain foods because it's not English enough? Like, honestly, to me, that's absolutely, absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely fine to notice that some people have stronger accents than others, but asking people to change that is rude <laughs> and ridiculous. Um, 
So as you can already tell, and I've started talking about my own feelings about it, um, the whole debate is, is, for me, can be summarized in literally one sentence. Uh, the debate and the whole bias of native versus non-native speakers when it comes to English language teaching is a marketing tool. That's it. Thank you. I said it. It's a marketing tool that people, individuals and companies use to sell their English language teaching services. It hasn't been just made. It, it, it's been on the market. The strategy, it's been on the market for years and it's still doing extraordinarily well because the customers do not know better. They don't know the statistics. They don't understand how it all works. My clients, my students in the past would say things like, oh, Ola, so you run a language school. Do you have any native speakers? And I'm like, what, what do you mean? What kind of native speakers? No, I don't know. Some English people, because I want to learn English to uh, be able to speak to native speakers. And I'm like, darling, you're in Poland. Um... How likely is it that you're going to have conversations with native speakers in your daily sort of job? And then she thinks like, oh, I actually, my company cooperates with a company in Austria. So we actually don't even speak with English people. Oh, so then you have all your business conversations with people from Austria in English. Yeah, right. Okay, so maybe you should actually be exposed to how people in Austria speak English. Would that make more sense? I guess. But how do I learn natural expressions? Non-native speakers, when they teach English, they, they make mistakes. I mean, don't they get me even started on that one. The debate between, oh, someone saying I'm a, I'm a native speaker, so I know everything just because I acquired the language, I didn't learn the rules, versus a non-native speaker who spent years studying it and then uh, always have to prove that they are qualified enough and know the language enough is uh, like ridiculous, ridiculous. So obviously I'm not saying that there are no uh, native speakers who... Um, who, you know, who, who don't have that attitude, oh, I'm just, I'm, I'm a native speaker and that's, that's my superpower. <laughs> Obviously not. I know some fantastic native speaking um, teachers from many, many countries who still look after their own personal, um, uh, sorry, professional development, who learn grammar, who learn grammar, honestly, can you imagine? So it depends where you're from, but I'm from Poland. I cannot imagine teaching Polish grammar to anyone. Honestly, I don't know anything about it. And that's the same with native speakers. They actually have a harder job. They have to learn all those rules to be able to explain them. While non-native speakers have a, an absolute, you know, a natural ability because they They've noticed what was problematic for them in their journey to becoming fluent in English and they can just pass it on. Like, I mean, that's that's not luck. That's just the way things are, right? But 
the bias is still there. The bias is still there. People would always say, so especially if you are um, a person considering uh, running your own ELT business, there will always be people who will ask you, oh, are you a native speaker? Um, I challenge those people. I'm on a mission to challenge those people every time, every time, because I'm not afraid anymore. Okay. And you might want to do the same thing because as long as we give permission to people thinking that the only way to learn English um, to, to, to a certain, you know, fluent level is with a native speaker, then, uh, then, then it's just going to continue. It's just going to continue. So when I first started with my online teaching business, I actually started um, advertising my services as a non-native speaker who has become absolutely fluent. And guess what happened? People were impressed. People were motivated, inspired. They were literally, they, I, I had waiting lists of people who wanted to study with me. And they were not only Polish people. They were other um, nationalities who were also non-native speakers who thought, oh, wow, she's done something amazing. She can teach me how to do it. That's exactly how you do it, right? And again, I'm not saying that if you are then a native speaker, that it's going to make it harder for you, because I feel that because of that bias, there's always going to be a little bit of, um, what, an easy, an easier sort of way for you because people genuinely associate better quality of service with native speakers. Again, that's a fact, okay? And I'm not going to try and diminish that, okay? I think it's just lucky. But when it comes to non-native speakers, I think we should challenge it. Which We should challenge it so there is literally no, um, no doubts that you know, it's, it's, there is no difference, right? Also, there is the whole talk of um, maybe native speakers and non-native speakers are better at certain things. Absolutely, okay? I'm not saying that a non-native speaker cannot be good at teaching pronunciation. Of course not, they can. They, they are totally able to because, again, they've identified what's been difficult and they can pass it on to their students. But possibly... Native speakers might be a little bit better at modeling certain, uh, you know, aspects of pronunciation, sentences or words or sounds, whatever. Um, so that that's that's just, again, that's facts. That's not judging it. It's facts. Okay. So my feelings about native and non-native speakerism are obviously very <laughs> strong. I, I, I'm really, really trying not to swear here because it is a very... Um, annoying topic it is an annoying topic because I feel like there is lots of talk but actually it's just oh somebody's gonna post on Facebook or share on Facebook and another ad that they saw in which they say oh we're only hiring native speakers and I'm like okay but yes I guess it is a form of challenging it but um, is it gonna help anybody it's just a vicious circle of being irritated by it but not doing much about it just just moaning and complaining so rather than moaning and complaining maybe pe people who are non-native speakers could show the world that it is doable so that's what I'm sort of not directly but but doing ever since um, 
can't remember when that was, maybe about years, eight years ago, I heard from my um, manager, someone who observed my lesson, this was back in Poland actually, um, I heard that um, I should work on my English, it's actually quite bad. Well, I was already nearly done with my MA in uh, education and teaching English to young learners. Um, I was already past my CAE exam at that point, definitely, working towards my CPE, C2 exam. And I was like, I'm not sure if, but I took it. I took it, like, obviously I was annoyed for a long time, but I, I just can't forget it. And my whole EOT career has been trying to prove her wrong and that, that even if my English is not perfect, because it's not, guys, come on, I forget words all the time. It's obviously it helps that I live in an English speaking country, but I learn every day. There are expressions that I'm like, oh, I've never heard that before. But obviously for a native speaker, that would be something completely natural. But I admit it. I just say it and I'm like, oh, I'm just going to use it now. I'm going to add it to my little vocab head vocabulary book. That's fine. So as if I was trying, I've always been trying to prove that person wrong. And it's actually, you know, um, it, it became, it's, it's begun as something very negative because I felt really hurt by that comment. It was also not done very sensitively. Um, it's, it's, it's been adding fuel to my fire. So it's actually turned out to be good. And then the other situation that happened to me was actually at the beginning of this year. Um, I remember I posted on a Facebook forum for uh, English uh, teacher, business owner, something like that, um, with a question about a difficult client. So I had a difficult client in my online English school who actually <laughs> ironically um, the client had a problem with her teacher being a non-native speaker and I wanted some advice from those other business owners who were international business owners so I just thought um, maybe they would uh, maybe they would um, just you know point me in the right direction what to say to that difficult client because I was I was being obviously very very emotional about it and I was ready to challenge it but I didn't know how to word it so I posted a very long post in that Facebook group and obviously at a very mean uh, bastard just uh, picked up on one mistake that I made in that post right because that was the whole bloody point that I made a mistake in the rush of a, of a moment of writing a post that was about completely different things. But he, he picked it up and he said, this actually proves that non-native speakers cannot be as good as native speakers. And I was like, God, good luck to you if you have time for being such a dick. <laughs> And also, that was not the point of my post. Obviously, I think it was his insecurities. Because, you know, there are there is a group of native speakers who feel threatened by non-native speakers who are becoming successful or have become successful in ELT. You know, because they think they, they were entitled to something. So, I again, it, 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 it was quite hurtful. And the people then started defending me, uh, some more directly than others. But it was another lesson for me that 
one, the bias still exists, and number two, that um, there is still work to be done. There is still work to be done uh, when it comes to that whole native, non-native speakers debate. And I'm just going to keep going and doing what I'm doing. Actually, oh, sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> I actually had an idea of posting um, very recently into that same group because the, the person has since been removed from that group. Um, and I am um, quite acquainted to the host of that of that Facebook group, posting about how successful I am now. And I would like say that this is all despite me being a non-native speaker and making mistakes in a post and even this podcast. I'm like, guys, when I'm recording this, do you think that I don't, for example, notice my own uh, little mistakes or slips? Of course I do. If I was a native speaker, wouldn't I have made those mistakes or some other mistakes? Of course I would. So when you speak your first language, do you think that you always speak in correct, perfect grammar? Of course you don't. You never do. You make slips because that's how our, our brains work. And ADHD brains uh, work in, in even a you know much more complicated way. So I usually speak before I think. That's that's just a fact, okay? And I don't have time to correct everything I say because I don't find it my priority. And I I'm actually okay with it, you know? I I don't have that that sort of type of perfectionism that wouldn't allow me to say things just out of fear of not it not being 100% perfect. And that's how I want to normalize it. That if you are thinking of, uh, you know, starting your own business or a podcast or a video YouTube channel or whatever, and you are a non-native speaker, just do it. Because the more of us, I'm going to call it us and them, <laughs> uh, no, obviously joking, but uh, the more people like you do it, the more normalized it is and the more people feel empowered by it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to say it out loud. I know that people will feel empowered and inspired by it. And there is nothing wrong with it because it's not bragging. It's about normalizing something that should have been normalized years ago. To me, it's very much comparable to feminism and fighting for women's rights. There are people who are always say like, this is just making a problem out of nothing. Women have their rights and it's all equal. I mean, pfft bullshit it's not and the same in that ELT native versus non-native debate there is still work to be done so my last point is going to be action so action will um, include things that are already happening but also that you can do um, to in order sort of to change the status quo <laughs> I guess there is a fantastic organization it's been a bit quiet recently but it's called TEFL Equity Advocates and I really recommend that you follow them on Instagram and on Facebook funnily enough it's actually run by a Polish person uh, but I admire it um, a lot and it's 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 brilliant their work is um, very well established i think they used to run some courses for for people also when it comes to teaching english as a, a lingua franca um so if you're interested go and uh, go and check them out and just be you okay just keep doing what you're doing that's your that's that's action number two um 
just show the world that it is possible, okay? So there might be people listening to it who are active in the English language teaching industry, but in their own countries, and they actually post in their first language, which is absolutely fine. It is absolutely fine, okay? Because I actually think that in some cases it might be better for your audience. Your audience might be more emotionally um, connected to you when you use their L1. There is uh, scientific research that says that that's the case. But if there is a part of you that wants to post in English, but you're afraid of judgment, do it anyway. Because that's how we're going to change the status quo. Okay, um, I think I've said enough. I'm sure I've forgotten some points that have formed in my head over the years because it's such a massive uh, topic and issue and you, we could talk about it for, for ages. But I hope this has been uh, useful. It's been empowering and, and inspiring. And I would love to know and find out about your thoughts on the topic so please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening um, to it so you don't miss any episodes uh, and obviously follow me on Instagram I'm the most active on Instagram at Ola Kowalska uh, underscore ELT and I would love to hear your comments under the podcast's um, post or in my DMs wherever you like. I really, really love it. Another option is to listen, uh, is to email me at olakowalskaelt um, at gmail.com and just let me know your thoughts, your stories of, you know, native versus non-native speaker bias and let me know how and if you're ready to, to, you know, challenge the whole situation because I think we should keep challenging it, okay? And if you are um, a native speaker, that's 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 a message to you too, um, because because there is still work to be done. Okay, thanks so much for listening, guys. Um, I already love this podcast. Um, I know you're you're listening to me, but I'm I'm listening to my own thoughts, and I'm sure uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about such important things here. Um, that ah. Oh, can't wait for another for the next episode really I hope you can't wait either anyways for now i'm gonna say bye and see you next time being a teacher is your superpower you know how to do it but developing a business mindset and business skills can be tricky so if you're a bit lost or maybe fed up with figuring it all out on your own don't worry I've created this podcast and other free resources to help you. Follow me on Instagram for a daily dose of education, energy, motivation and fun. If you're interested in working with me, please get in touch and I'll be very happy to tell you about ways of working with me. Don't be a stranger. Say hello from time to time on social media. I love getting to know you better. You're my ELT tribe. And for now... Bye and until next time.